Athenians Talk Drama, a podcast that traces the history of theater from ancient Greece to the modern stage, exploring plays in their original context and their relevance today. We are your hosts, Sarah, Jocelyn, and Sonia. And today we will be discussing the significance of the female role and sexuality present in Afrobend's comedy, The Rover, as well as how her writing was impacted by plays of the previous generation particularly in conversation with Shakespeare's dark comedy, Measure for Measure. The Rover, Ben's 1677 restoration comedy, chronicles the romantic misadventures of Florinda, her sister Helena, and the courtesan Angelica Bianca as they pursue and are pursued by a group of English soldiers in Naples during Carnival. These women explore and discuss the restrictions on female eroticism and try to find a way to be both socially stable and sexually fulfilled. Don Pedro, brother to Florinda and Helena, spends much of the play trying to control his sister's sexuality, while the Englishmen, particularly Bevel and Wilmore, spend much of the play trying to gain access to it. Shakespeare's Elizabethan problem play, Measure for Measure, was written some 75 years earlier and likewise deals with dynamics of power, gender, and sexuality. Isabella, a deeply religious young woman in the process of becoming a nun, is placed in an awful position when her brother Claudio is sentenced to death by the powerful statesman Angelo. When she tries to persuade Angelo to spare Claudio, he uses her brother's life as leverage to try and force Isabella to sacrifice her virtue and sleep with him. In both plays, we see men trying to control women's sexuality, using females as objects for their own pleasure or power, as women struggle for control over their lives and bodies, trying to find their place in societies which consistently undermine their personal agency. Well, guys, piggybacking off of our last podcast, we dove into the play Antigone, which dealt with a young woman who was very headstrong and decided to do what felt right for her. And justice was very big for Antigone. And it's very interesting seeing her be put in the predicament of choosing her brother or herself. And of course, we ultimately see her choose her brother because that equaled justice for her. And in Measure for Measure, we see the young Isabella posed with a very similar predicament. She's very virtuous, very young, and is very serious about her religion. We see that she wants to be a nun. So when she's put in the predicament of choosing her brother's life or sacrificing her virtue, it's almost so hard. It's very hard to read and it's unfair to see the place that she was put in, but we have to think about her choosing herself. And I feel like that's the difference in the meanings of these plays. She decided that her body was worth something different than the sins of her brother. And why do we have to see these reoccurring themes of women sacrificing themselves or paying the price for the sins of men? And it's interesting also because these are siblings and the power dynamics of that, of the brother Mm -hmm. um, and his mistakes weighing more than maybe the sisters. So when comparing those two, I just thought it was very interesting the place Isabella was in and her deciding that what she cared about was worth more and it wasn't her job to pay the price for Claudio getting the woman he loved pregnant when they weren't married yet. He knew it was wrong. He still did it. Why is it my fault? You know, so I think that was just really interesting um, when looking at Isabella and Measure for Measure. And I don't think we see 
sacrifice as much in the rover as much as we do control when looking at the women involved. Yeah. And I also really did like that, at least in Measure for Measure, as opposed to talking about um, Antigone, that Isabella was able to outsmart the man who was trying to take advantage of her or put her in that terrible position where it's like she was able to find a way to meet her own ends without making that sacrifice ultimately, which I really appreciated. Um, Even though it was a super problematic play, I did really like that she was able to do that. Um, But yeah, with the two plays we're talking about today, um, with uh, Measure for Measure and the Rover, you definitely see connecting themes of men trying to control women's bodies um, in Measure for Measures very much through sexual assault. And in the rover, you also see sexual assault, but you also see Don Pedro trying to control his sisters, one of them by putting her in a convent, um, and the other, Helena, Helena by put, trying to put her in a convent, and um, Florinda by trying to marry her off to somebody that she doesn't want to marry, but somebody who is quote unquote socially acceptable. Um, And, you know, you see these men using these women's bodies as like pawns or as parts of a male kind of dominated society. And men don't face consequences for the sexual violence that is perpetrated against the women. And they don't face consequences for trying to exert control over women's women's bodies because they don't the women don't have agency they have no voice over their circumstances they're kind of forced into these positions where they either have to like handle it and just take the abuse and end up ultimately forgiving the men for these trespasses against them or you know just being outcast from society basically being ruined women and being um you know losing their their position and not being able to survive in any meaningful way. Um, There is a character, though, in the rover that's super interesting with Angelica Bianca, because she offers a contrast to these kind of two roles that women can fall into, where they can either be attached to a man or they can be like a sexless kind of nun. But she, as a professional sex worker, creates this sense of freedom for herself where she doesn't have to fit into those confines, those, you know, two roles. But she also has less of a place in society because of her position, because she cannot be attached to a man. She is seen kind of as unlovable and unattachable. So she's a super interesting character to look at. Yes, definitely. I agree. I think she's definitely someone that needs to be dissected a little bit more i think in comparison if you think about it from the previous generation and measure for measure she really would have been someone that just wouldn't have fit in at all in the sense that you know we see that character who's forced to marry a prostitute and he just he will not do it he doesn't want to do it so that gives us a hint of how they viewed women like her and then in comparison to the time of the the rover she just has more agency over her body she gets to choose who she shares it with and yet at the end she doesn't really get a happy ending the person who she decides to share it with just breaks her heart and although she tries to get that back there isn't really much she can do because although a couple of years have passed between generations there's still that kind of a little bit more male 
control and she suffers from it. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Sorry, go ahead tonight. Oh, I, I just really love the point you guys are making. And I think it's interesting who decides which women deserve love and who don't. Mm -hmm. um, Angelica, um, like we were saying, is very powerful, very much so in tune with her own body and owns it. She's charging these guys a bunch of money um, to be with her. And who says that she doesn't deserve someone as well? It's like, who gets to choose which women deserve love and who don't? And it's interesting when dealing with Don Pedro and him trying to marry off his sister. Um, it's interesting also what runs through all these plays. We're seeing brothers' decisions affect the lives of their sisters. Mm -hmm. Like, what does it say about family dynamics and how that should be set up? And the older brothers' choices directly affecting our futures and our destinies. Is it's Claudio crazy. Is Claudio older than Isabella? I, I don't remember. Think so. <laughs> but yeah, but like, the brother has more Yeah, power. it's the it's brother thing in all favorite. three that's like super weird to me and just yeah. looking at the family things. But I really enjoy Angelica's character because she's demanding what she wants and she's not afraid to say um, that she's upset or that she's jealous or that she wants this guy too and that she can make money if she wants as well. So I think she's just an interesting character to look at from a feminist perspective. She is, but then she also, even though she isn't defined in terms of the binary that the sisters kind of represent, she's still mm -hmm. treated as an object by men mm -hmm. and she still exists in a male-dominated society and she has unfortunately like a place in it but it's not the place that she wants either yeah. but can we talk for a second about the gun because <laughs> that was amazing definitely yes there was so much power in the fact that she was the one holding the gun she could have pulled the trigger but yet again i think you know women were put in that position where they had to show mercy forgiveness in one way or another or be stopped because you know they just can't be given too much power in the era that the play was performed but why did she have to i i don't want her to <laughs> I don't think anyone wanted her to you know they wanted to see that but like we said earlier they just had to show that a woman like her had no real place in society yeah I think it was a really crazy scene yeah. and I really enjoyed it um but that the mercy that we have to show these men is incredible like why do they deserve it why they can do anything to us drive us crazy mess with our hearts especially in Angelica's case and still we, we were better and we turned the other cheek it, it's incredible to me even florinda showing um mercy when she was attacked as well with wilmore it's like how many times do we have to see the sexual harassment throughout these plays but in different ways and in different dynamics and still um toxic men feeling like they deserve to be in control yeah like Oops, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were a woman of quality. I'm sorry, I tried to rape you. Oh, it's cool. We're all right. Like, it was just so ridiculous. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just can't. Okay, but also the fact that Bevel is supposed to be seen as, like, the character protecting her purity, but he doesn't really do anything to protect her the right way. Like, he they're his own friends and he's just like oh, okay like it's fine you know you almost hurt the person i'm supposed to be in love with but you know i'll forgive you but we're still friends it just not so easy 
yeah, he comes late to the party, like a day late and a dollar short. But I thought it was also interesting when you were talking about Mercy and um, that she showed Mercy when she didn't shoot him. It's, um, she, didn't she kind of position it as like shooting him would be an act of mercy to women in the future that they would not mm-hmm. be hurt by him more? So she ended yeah. up showing more mercy to him than to all of the women that will potentially have their hearts broken by him. That's a really interesting point. It's like she was, she took the power back in that moment and almost was committing this act on behalf of women, but ultimately still shows the mercy. So it's like, did you help us though? Because he's still, he's still out there. But well, that's, that's a really great point. He does end up in a potentially very toxic marriage though with the female version of himself, apparently. <laughs> sort of, not really, but sort of. And I think as we were talking about the mercy towards men, then that would kind of lead us to think about a little bit about the weddings at the end, because, I mean, Wilmore harassed Florinda, and yet Helena's happy to marry him. So there's kind of like a sense of like no consequences. They get mercy. They get to be in a marriage that's probably really good for them because the girls have good status. And in my family, <laughs> yeah. how does that work? Not only did you um, harass and assault me, but you get to be my brother now. Thanks. Thanksgiving's going to be super fun. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to looking at both of the plays, the way the marriages are handled, because I mean, in measure for measure, they're like punishments, like we talked about in class, which was really an awful way to think about marriage. And then in The Rover, it's almost like giving people kind of that happy ending tied up with a bow, but it's not really that happy. And it's just more kind of like giving a sense of stability almost, but not at the same time. They're very uncomfortable endings. (laughs) They really are. You kind of wonder, is it really a happy ending for the women? Yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah. There's a reason it, it ends where it does. I'm sorry, go ahead, Sonia. Oh no, I'm just saying it doesn't feel that way. It's not very romantic to me. Oh no. And I I don't think anyone gets the sense that this is going to end well for any of them. But that's all the time we have for today. So thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in next time. We'll be discussing Tony Kush Kushner's groundbreaking 1992 drama, Angels in America. See you then.